epitch.org. Entrepreneurs telling their stories, giving us a better understanding of the entrepreneurial experience. Here we go, Steve's ePitch Fast 30. What is the name of your business? Metropolitan Disc Jockey Service. Did you have to get a loan to get started in business? Uh, I did not. Age you started your business? About mid-30s, 35. Do you have a website? Uh, yes, our website is experiencemetropolitan.com. Are you a sole proprietor? Uh, yes, uh, we're an LLC or uh, actually we're an S-Corp if you want to get technical with it. Okay, do you own or lease? Uh, we lease our, our building and, and warehouse space. How many square feet do you have? About 2,500 square feet and that's warehouse and office. How many employees do you have? I think we currently have 12 employees. Biggest obstacle to get your business open? Um, when I moved to Huntsville and opened the business, I was completely unknown to Huntsville. So it just took time to, uh, to get the word out there. Okay, favorite piece of equipment? Probably my turntables. Favorite music? Uh, surprisingly to most, I would say punk rock. Favorite musician? Boy, almost too numerous to mention. Uh, there's a guitarist named Steve Vai I'm very fond of. I like uh, a fellow named Morrissey from the 80s. Danny Elfman is a composer. But I can even enjoy like some Johnny Cash. So, uh, it's it, boy, that's a tough question. So a variety, for it's sure. It's a tough question. Favorite band? You know, and that's the same. If I'm in, in it kind of depends on the mood. There's a band called Rancid that I really enjoy. It's pretty, pretty hardcore. There's a band I'm really into right now called the Voodoo Glow Skulls. This is all stuff that nobody on earth listens to but me, I think. But you know, I do like the classics, the Beatles, uh, Pink Floyd, uh, the Smiths. These are all favorites of mine. Okay. I, I know you asked me for one and I give you a million, but. Well, that's right. It's hard sometimes to know just one. <laughs> Uh, favorite music you like to DJ to? You know, I really enjoy DJing weddings, and uh, something I do is called the wedding on steroids, or like I kind of refer to it that way. So just a, a huge, nice variety of music, uh, a huge, nice variety of, of guests that are enjoying a lot of this and that. Okay, favorite social media app? You know, I'm still on Facebook an awful lot. I do enjoy the speed of Instagram. Okay, favorite app on your phone? <laughs> I use my QuickBooks app a lot to just to see who's doing what and, and uh, what I have coming up and that kind of stuff. Okay. What city were you born in? I was born in Chicago. All right. Are you an introvert or extrovert? I'd have probably say I'm an extrovert. Are you late or early? I'm generally early. Multitask or single tap? I juggle a lot of balls, so let's say multi. Okay. <laughs> plan or spontaneous? Uh, I do like to plan. Describe yourself with three words. Go, go, go. One thing most people don't know about you. Uh, that's tough. Play hockey a couple nights a week. I don't know if everybody knows that. Okay. Well, I didn't, so that's pretty interesting. Oh, there's nothing better. Favorite entrepreneur? It's a fellow named Herb Kelleher who founded uh, Southwest Airlines. Pretty fascinating story there. Pretty interesting guy. Okay. Uh, what website do you visit most often? <laughs> Probably QuickBooks. <laughs> <laughs> It just, you know, that just kind of manages the business. You so know, I really you know your bottom line, line which is good, right? <laughs> I guess more of us should visit our websites like that. Uh, all right, favorite advice your parents gave to you? Probably telling me not to use foul language in, in a social environment. <laughs> uh, what do you want to be remembered for? I'd like to be remembered for, for affecting people in a positive way. Okay, Apple or Android? I'm an Apple. And do you love what you do? I really genuinely do. All right, that's awesome. There you have it, Steve's E-Pitch Fast 30. All right, let's discuss Steve and his entrepreneurial experiences. You grew up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. What was that like growing up in Chicago? Well, it's the best city on the planet, next to Huntsville, that is. You know, I uh, was, was born outside Chicago, and even uh, just before I moved to Huntsville, I was uh, 40 minutes outside Chicago. It's great, great town, you know, great event town, great sports town. I love that city a lot. But move, when I moved to Huntsville, I, I was uh, very surprised at, at how hip <laughs> Huntsville is. I know folks uh, that have been lifelong here, you know, appreciate what they have, and, and it's, uh, it's really a gem. 
being here in Huntsville. But uh, but Chicago is, is I guess, always kind of home. Now, so what brought you to Huntsville? Uh, my wife brought me to Huntsville. Okay. <laughs> Did you all meet in Chicago? We met, uh, we actually met in New Orleans. We were both in the same field. I was in the photographic world for a while. I worked for Kodak and, and some subsidiaries of Kodak, and she was working for a photographer. And we actually met at a number of photography conventions. Huh, how interesting. And then started to correspond, you know, kind of long distance, and then started to meet up at places, and then the next thing you know, I'm moving to Huntsville. When you came to Huntsville, you started a whole new career. I was still working for a Kodak company when I moved here. So actually, when I decided to move to, to Huntsville to be to be with my wife, I approached the, the company that I was working for and told them that, I think I, I was in a position to have to quit the company and, and move. So that was tough. And they suggested, why don't we keep you on board and have you work remotely? So okay. that was kind of cool. So I moved here to Huntsville. The uh, the DJ thing is something that I had always done. But I was doing it you know, part-time in the Chicago area. I always had. So when I moved here to Huntsville, I thought, continue to work uh, my regular job. And then I would probably just join one of the DJ companies here in Huntsville. But when I got to Huntsville, I didn't really find what I was looking for as far as, as, a, as, a, comp- as a DJ outfit to just kind of join. So I decided to just give it a go on my own. Do you think that Chicago influenced your music style? I imagine it did. Okay, because when you came here and you couldn't find what you were looking for, you brought your own style here. Yeah, you know, what I, I couldn't find what I was working for, I guess kind of in two aspects. One was the way that the DJ style that I brought to Huntsville was or, or is a little different than I think what was going on in Huntsville initially. So yes, I think I did bring kind of a fresh style uh, to Huntsville. But also, the, the direction we wanted to take the business was in a very professional way. So from a DJ standpoint, we kind of wanted to do higher-end events, and I was accustomed to doing that kind of stuff in the Chicago area. And so we we sort of uh, broke into a maybe an untapped market when we, when we moved here to Huntsville and really kind of targeted folks who were looking for a more refined style of entertainment. Okay. So rather than being like the wacky life of the party crazy DJ guy. Right. Uh, I wanted to go in kind of a different direction and offer a DJ entertainment service that was a little more uh, sophisticated, a little more refined, and then really utilize turntable skills and and and, and music knowledge to to put together a, 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 sh- a performance or a show or however you want to look at it that was respectable and, and just kind of uh, uh, different than what folks had experienced in the past. Had you seen that style before? Yes. And that's what made you think, this is the style that I want. Yeah, I was coming from that world uh, in the Chicago area. I was coming from, you know, kind of kind of from that position. Okay. Um, but when I came to Huntsville, it, 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 it didn't seem like that need was being fulfilled. Okay. And Huntsville 20 years ago was a lot smaller than it is today. And I would imagine that as the city has grown... Uh, this was a much-needed service that oh, people were looking for. Huntsville has treated us so well. Yes, I believe as I mean, as the city has grown, so have we. Really, really happy with 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 the way the business has gone. But but Huntsville has supported us, and the market has just expanded. Going to Huntsville was really a blessing for us. It's it's just been it's just been a wonderful trip to this point. Now you mentioned that you really didn't get financing to start your business. That's right. So you started part-time. When you came here, you were still working for Kodak. That's correct. And you were going out finding jobs That's right. to DJ, I would assume, at night or on the weekend. Yes. So how did you evolve into full-time? When yeah. did you actually decide to do that? So we wanted to keep the business cash positive. And so that was a, a conscious decision, was not to take out a loan and not to go into debt, um, but to build the business. My dream was for this to become a full-time business. So dream realized. Didn't know if it would ever really get there. Honestly, spent money on equipment and then would go do jobs and make a few bucks and reinvest and then go do another job and take that money and reinvest. And I did that over and over and over again to uh, to build a 
a DJ system, you know, a sound system and, and, and have the equipment that I desired that I thought I could excel with. But we kept it, we kept it cash positive that whole, that whole way. So we never went into debt um, initially with the business, but we started small and just had to, and just had to build and build and build. So we found our, when we found our second DJ, uh, we found another fella in town that kind of had the same philosophies and same vision and same skill set understood what we were doing so we brought dj number two on board and again worked worked a job bought him a piece of equipment worked another job bought him another piece of equipment so it was it was a long process but i think it was a smart process because we never had to dig out of that you know we never had to dig out of a out of 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 a deep hole and that that wheel kept turning, you know, so, so that's happened over and over and it happens to this day. Fortunately, now there's, I can put a few bucks in my pocket every now and then, but, but there's, there's constant reinvestment and constant upgrading, you know, and, and just trying to stay up with the technology and stay up with the, the, the having the, the best equipment and so forth that we can get our hands on because ultimately that leads to success on the job. Right. And, you know, I've seen your equipment, some of it, I'm sure I haven't seen all of it, <laughs> but... I would imagine that by reinvesting all the time, is it sort of like a computer? You have to upgrade this stuff because it con- continually gets... It's always uh, changing. Absolutely. It's, it's always changing. And, and the changes are, are typically for, you know, are for the better. We certainly don't want to get caught out there with, with, uh, with outdated equipment and that sort of thing. So uh, that's where a lot of that reinvestment comes into play, is just, just staying, staying on top of our game and staying on top of of the the technology so that we're we're giving the the client the best possible experience that we can you know equipment failure is not an option you know when when, when we're doing a job when i'm doing a an event the la- the last thing i want to think about is is equipment you know, you know or, or 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 equipment failure so it's so it's kind of like in hockey when you're playing hockey you can't think about skating you just have to skate. You just have to know how to skate. That just has to happen so that you can focus on, on puck handling and passing and, and shooting and all that kind of stuff. But the skating just happens. And until you get to that point, you know, you're not a very good hockey player. It's the same with the, with the, with the equipment that we use. It has to be reliable. It has to just work. It has to just be smooth so that we can focus on the dance floor, on the, on the, you know, on the guests, on the client, on the music, on what we're doing. So you, you, your performance will suffer if you don't have the tools that you need. Okay, and I know that you have a warehouse where all this is stored. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just mentioned like having a dance floor. Is that something that you have, or do you work in, with other vendors to try to get a dance floor? We work with other vendors. Uh, I mean, there are, some, there are some things that we offer and there are some things we work with other vendors on. We typically handle sound. We handle lighting, as in decor lighting or enhancement lighting. Uh, so things like up lights and projections and, and that sort of thing. We can handle video screens and that sort of thing. We have a variety of special effects like these uh, uh, spark machines and, and fog machines and this kind of stuff. We have a pretty interesting selection now of, of photo booth uh, things. We have our, our mirror and, and a variety of photo booth uh, items. So these are all things that we bring to the table. There are things, however, that, that we lean on local vendors to help provide, such as dance floors. Uh, most of the rental companies in town are handling dance floors. Staging is handled by a lot of the rental companies in town. Is that something that you think that eventually you want to purchase, or do you think you'll always use these other vendors to try to maximize maybe buying equipment more for sound and that kind of thing? I think that we have a nice relationship with these vendors, and I don't want to jeopardize the relationship we have with the vendors. So if they are providing dance floor and staging, maybe I don't want to get into that market and directly compete with them. Uh, At the same time, a lot of these places, the rental companies in town will lean on us for lighting and they won't get into that business. So um, if, if, if I stay in my lane and they stay in their lane and we can, and we can, you know, share these, these services back and forth, then I think it keeps everybody happy. Right. So rather than competing with the world, uh, let us do what we do well. I'll let you do what you do well. And sometimes our, our paths will cross. Uh, and, and all of this will benefit the client at the end because, because everyone is, is working together you know, for, a, for a cohesive experience. Right. And doing what you do best, uh, I mean, that's a good philosophy to live by. Plus, whenever you can interact with other vendors, 
they can send you business, you send them business, and it, it can work pretty it's well. It's wonderful if we can all <laughs> if we can all just get along. If you know, all get we, along. That's if we right. all work together well with the, you know with the client in mind, then that leads to favorable results. I think. Okay. Well, uh, I know you recently moved to a new location. Yeah. Now, where is that at? So we're at Lincoln Mill, which is uh, here in Huntsville. It's on Meridian and Oakwood. It's uh, it's an old, from what I understand, it's an old thread mill that has been repurposed a number of times. But uh, but right now it it it's a it's a really interesting space. Uh, we have our warehouse there, which is which is nice. It's climate controlled. We have a loading dock. Uh, these are things that we've wanted for some time. Uh, plus, our office is located there, and there's a whole variety of businesses uh, within that building. It's a pretty it's a pretty awesome little spot. We're real happy with it right now. Okay. It's called Lincoln Mill. Now that you have that space, uh, I mean, do you keep office hours? We are by appointment, so we have a just a wonderful meeting space. So you know, uh, when we first started, obviously we didn't have an office, so we would meet with clients um, at, a, at an area Starbucks or something to this extent, which is which is fine. But having a place of our own is just wonderful because we can bring in clients, we can we can consult, we can show we can show images, we can we can demonstrate lighting, we can um, demonstrate music. You know, we can go through things that are difficult to do in a more of a, in a public setting. So having the office space has just been wonderful for folks just to come in and relax and, and then we can get to work on putting together an event that, that you know meets everybody's needs. So we're real happy with the space. And then the warehouse space is wonderful too because it's climate controlled and, and that's that's good for our equipment. You right, know? For sure, especially and, in Huntsville. And the employees. <laughs> so, right. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice spot. It's a neat spot. Well, uh, I've seen a picture of it. Uh, I don't know whether that was on Facebook or where, but you had a picture of it, and uh, I mean, it looks really nice. It's it's really comfortable. It's really yeah. awesome. It's it's a, we hope that it's a just a, a genuine experience for folks to come in and see the space and and just relax and and get themselves in a mindset that you know that kind of facilitates creativity, so that we can go down a path and and get to. Uh, an end result that they're real happy with, with their whether that's a wedding or, or you know, or, or a special event or whatever it is. Just having a space that's comfortable and warm and, and uh, inspirational, uh, we're we're really happy with that spot. What licenses do you need to be a DJ? So obviously we need all the business licenses, all the typical business stuff. So we have to we have to be a legitimate business. Well, I guess we don't. We are a legitimate business because <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of businesses out there that it's just something you're going to do demand, what they want right? to do. But, uh, um, so yeah, I mean obviously you need all your 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 licenses uh, to satisfy the state and the city and all that kind of stuff. But you know as far as, far as like certifications go, there's not a tremendous amount of certifications or things like that that you need to do what we do. It's just, uh, it's experience, it's uh, technical know-how, it's and, and it's having a skill set. These are all things that you need to have to really do what we do properly. I don't know if that really answers your question, but. Well, yeah, it, it does. Uh, and I, you know, can you tell everybody, you know, how easy or how difficult was it to, to get your business license? It's fairly easy. It's fairly easy. So, you know, like we go down to the courthouse and explain what it is that we're trying to accomplish and they decide if they want to let you do it or not. The things that the things that come up which you're not always anticipating was so when we had when we started the business, so we got a, we went out and got a business license, tried to do everything legit from a business standpoint. Uh, which means reporting your income and paying taxes and all and all that and all that stuff. But then uh, we started taking on employees. They actually weren't employees initially. They were independent contractors. Okay. So we're taking on folks that are helping us, might be DJing for us or helping us move equipment. We're paying them, and then at the end of the year, we're sending them a 1099 to show that we we paid them X amount of money. So there was there was me, and then there was a bunch of independent contractors. Well, at at one point, our accountant. So at one point, I guess I should say we had to go get an accountant because <laughs> yep. we just got to a, you get to a point where you're just doing you're doing this on your own, you know. So if you're just an entrepreneur and you're starting your first business and it's just you, then you do what you do. But then as things uh, if things go in, in a good direction, you start you know income starts coming in, expenses start coming in, and 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 then you have 
tax questions and, and you have certain offices contacting you to find out where their where their piece of the where their cut of cut is, you know, whose property taxes or you know or um, and you know all of all of those things. So so things start to get complicated on you real quick. So we went out and got an accountant to take a look at what we were doing and the first thing the accountant said was these are not independent contractors, these are employees that, that, that you're dealing with here we need to make some changes so we we had to uh, as we were growing we had to determine that the folks who were doing part-time little jobs for us as things grew became employees and and then the business became an llc and 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 things just start to roll but our accountant really helped us get all of all of that stuff in order and then, like I said, and then you, then you start to find out that you, you you have to pay liability insurance and you have to pay your your Social Security taxes and all this kind of stuff. So those are the those are the joys of being a small business owner. Right, and you know I think it is critical, and I think that's what most people have been saying during these interviews is the importance of an accountant. And you know there are so many things that's it, it's impossible to know if that is not what you do uh, for a living and they have all the answers uh, or they can find out the answers pretty easily but i think that is part of a successful business is having a good accountant that can answer your questions and save you thousands of dollars in the long run and keep you compliant and keep you legal and and that that's all very important in, in our book we we absolutely even though what we do is you know we're, we're entertainers so what we're doing is 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 fun and you know and it's not uh rocket science like the rest of the town but um but you still have to be legit and you still have to remain compliant and you still have to play by the right rules so yeah the accountant really really helped us understand that because i don't feel uh, i i want to entertain i want to go get i want to go get jobs and go out there and entertain and do what we do best and managing money is not what I want to do, or, or, or knowing the current tax laws, are not the kind of things that. So yes, if you can get someone on your on your side that that can help you with that, then it frees you up to do the things that you love to do. Now you travel to all these different venues. Mm-hmm. What kind of insurance do you have to have traveling to these venues? Do you have to have uh, something that protects you while you're on someone else's property, yes. or does the venue take care of that? Do you have to sign? contracts with these venues that you have insurance yeah well we we carry uh liability insurance so the liability insurance covers uh you know covers our end of things from an insurance standpoint some venues fewer than you might think and and fewer than than probably should ask you to 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 show this you know there are some venues that say we must have your certificate of insurance on file before you come in here and play you know i i get that a lot when we're playing larger venues in other markets. So, so we do things, we've done events at the Atlanta Aquarium, we've done stuff at the San Antonio Conference Center, we've done stuff at Opryland. These venues will not let you in the door until you show proof of insurance, which is which is interesting. And I actually kind of like that. It is something that we have to carry. Liability insurance is something that we have to carry. And and it's just for the protection of everyone, in, in the venue, ourselves, the client. Right. Um, just a good idea. And uh, I would imagine you like that because it makes you a legitimate business. Absolutely. So so to to separate the, the men from the boys, if you will. Yeah. When a when a venue says uh, you must show me your business license and your certificate of insurance and you know and this and that, it it just it, it keeps everybody on a on a higher level, so that that you know you're dealing with professionals, you're dealing with people who respect. The property you're dealing with people who are running a legitimate business just it just keeps everyone in in good shape you dj'd in chicago mm-hmm. when you came to huntsville do you remember your very first event yes what was it and how did you get it so my first event i remember their names but i'm not going to say their names because i don't think they're together anymore oh, okay but, well uh, <laughs> you know times change <laughs> It, it is what well, it is. Well, and statistically speaking, I guess that's going to happen in, <laughs> right, in our right. line of work because we do we do about, last year I think we did 150 weddings. We do about 150 weddings a year anymore. Yes, yeah, statistically speaking, uh, some of those folks, uh, you know, don't don't make, make it for the long run, but some do. So, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, that first event that we did, uh, we were new in town and uh, someone had caught wind of us being in town or of, of, of me being in town and coming from the Chicago area and I think she she the bride had some sort of Chicago connection you know I remember uh, but this is I'm going in the wayback machine now we met at my house 
which is terribly uncomfortable. I would never want a client in my house any, uh, nowadays. But we met at the house and we sat down and we talked about this and that. And then we went and did the event uh, at a place here in town called The Ledges. Um, that was the first event we ever did. Now, mind you, I was doing this in Chicago uh, for years and years and years. So I, so I absolutely, I knew what I was doing. It was just doing it in a whole different place right. and, and city and environment. But that event went incredibly well, so well that her boss took notice and he was the CEO of a large company here in town. And here we go. So uh, we got their Christmas party and then we got you know uh, uh, work based on the performances at those two events. Plus the folks at the ledges at the time were impressed with what we did. So then they started with the referrals. And we met, based on that one event, we met some other folks in town. Am I allowed to mention other places in sure, town? Sure, sure. <laughs> so so we, met, uh, we met two fellows named Mark and Ron at a, a place called In Bloom Flores. Okay. And they took a liking to what we were doing at the time. So they started telling people about our services. So now we have a venue talking about our services. We have a larger uh, company in town that appreciates what we're doing. We have some florists that uh, have noticed that we're in town and doing, and doing good work. And then it, then it starts to snowball. And, and so we... You know, the philosophy on my end is is just consistently do great work and everything else will fall in place. So we, we just tried to impress upon the community that that we were here and we were, you know, that we were going to be a real asset to the to the neighborhood. And, and, it, and it took off. Things started really rolling in the beginning. Once it started really picking up, did you have to turn away some business because you didn't have enough? slots available uh yeah when you're a single op as they call them it's just you yeah that's tough that that's that's tricky well but that inspires you to 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 spread out and then the challenge is now i need to clone i I mean if what i'm doing is 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 working i'm I'm not going to be so narcissistic to say that it's all about it was it was all about me but what i was doing was working so now i need to find other folks that can do what I was doing, and fortunately, uh, found a fella and found another another per, you know person, and and then just through working together and, and, and training and cross training, I'm learning from them, them lear- they're learning from me, and we start putting together a formula uh, for now what they call a multi-op DJ service, which means now I can do two events, three events on a weekend. So then things kind of logarithmically start to build. When you're a so when you're a single guy playing for a wedding of 200 people I'm exposed to 200 people now if I can do three jobs on a weekend uh, and each of them have 200 people now I'm exposed to 600 people right so out of those 600 people you hope that maybe one percent is uh, an engaged couple um, so now you're playing for them now now you're trying to impress them so as those numbers increase it, you know again the, the the wheel keeps turning once we uh, we had the three of us rolling, I'm not spinning off off topic here, but once we had the th- no, now, now I'm excited. Now I'm having fun. <laughs> right. So once the wheel starts turning, we've got three guys out there working. Now people are taking notice. So importantly, our competitors are taking notice, or or maybe other folks who have a skill set could contribute to our to our team are taking notice. So 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 instead of us uh, looking for talent, all of a sudden talent starts coming to us. That's a great, great turning point. So now you got folks that say, hey, I know how to do this and I've been doing it here and there or I've been doing it on my own and I like what you guys are doing and are you interested in, in um, so, so then we start um, taking, on, you know, taking on more talent. And, and so the more talent that we find and, and the more diverse that talent is, just, it just strengthens our, our offerings. So now I've got a guy that's that has a real strong skill set in, in this area and a guy that has a strong skill set in another area. So it just helps us, you know, kind of um, uh, diversify what we can offer and, and, and then it just it's, it really gets fun. But, you know, there's challenges that come with all that too. With growth, there are challenges. So For sure. now when I have four DJs out, now I have to have four sets of, you know, four sets of, of speakers and turntables and amplifiers and lights and, you know, all this stuff. So now I need a bigger warehouse. And now, right. and now i got to find time to meet with these, uh, with these clients. And, you know, so it just, uh, you, you create the monster and then you have to feed the monster. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, which, uh, you know, like you said, uh, you know, good and bad. Uh, but mostly good, so you know. It's you it's to- wonderful. I mean, you, we you you know when you're when you get uh, when you go from 
from from A to B to C, you know, and, and, and things just start rolling. There's a lot of joy that comes that comes with it. And, and then and then there are there are challenges and there are, are roadblocks and speed bumps and all that stuff. But overall, it's it's, it's worth it all. My next question was really going to be, how do you market your business? And you kind of went over, you know, it's pretty fascinating when you really do have an audience there where you, you don't know who is there watching. Right. Uh, so, you know, you, you're doing a great job for the people that have already hired you, but you're also there for auditioning. For auditioning. <laughs> right, really. I mean, so. You can look at it that way. I mean, our focus is always on the client and, and at the task at hand. That should be a tax write-off, shouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, um, yeah, you never know who's who's watching. Yes. You never know who's watching. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter where I'm playing or what style of event it is. You never know who's watching. So you're always you're always auditioning. You know, you're always giving uh, everything you've got to to each event because uh, one event leads to the next in, in, in this business. Okay. And what's interesting is we is we so we never marketed to proms. We you know we're primarily a, a we're built to do weddings. But you did do a prom. Well, we do lots of proms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, you, um, you did your son's prom, right? Uh, I did my son's homecoming. Did my son's oh, the homecoming. homecoming. Yes, okay. yes, yes. That was, was a that blast. this year? Oh, yeah. That was so much fun. That's, it's great to be able to I'm do sure that. I'm sure he loved that, right? It's cool to be able to do that. <laughs> right? I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's cool for him or not. You know, it's like, they, you know, they ask. Uh, There's my dad. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you ask Julian Lennon if, 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 you know, it was cool for his dad to be John Lennon. And, and he doesn't think that that's all that cool. You know, like, yeah. it's just a dad. So, uh, so I think I'm just, I just, I'm just dad. I might be cool to his friends, but to right. him, I'm just dad. <laughs> yeah, when we started, we, we never marketed the problems, but we started getting them. And I, and I always kind of just thought, eh, proms, proms, proms are proms. You know, we'll go have some fun playing some music for them. But weddings are what we're built to do and really what we're focused on and what we market to you know the, the the market that we market to but anyway it, it, at one point uh unfortunately i'm going to sh- start showing age now but uh we're doing a wedding and the bride says you know you did my prom and it was at that moment that i realized you know proms are also a marketing tool for us because now we're we're playing for a thousand kids uh or students i should say that are going to run off to college and in five years, six years, we're going to be back here getting married. Yeah. And if they can remember me, you know, now now I'm building a future when I'm doing these school events. So, so yes, never discount. Like, just like I said, you're always auditioning. Now I take proms and, and school events, you know, high school events and, and homecomings and all this kind of stuff very seriously because uh, – these are these are potential brides about six years from now. So it's, right? it's it's interesting how that all works. So what are some what are some ways that you market your business? You know, a, a, a lot of what we do. I know you probably hate hearing this. A lot of what we do is word of mouth. Well, um, and everybody, you know, that is the best form of advertising. So if you're good at what you do, that's the best. Uh, but do you do any print or television or billboards? You know, do you go to different shows mm-hmm. or uh, events? We have tried yeah. everything. Okay. And I'm sure most of the folks you talk to have tried everything, I, I imagine. Right. We've done print ads. We've done, you know, I've never done a billboard. I think that would be kind of fun. I don't, I don't think I've ever, no, we've never done a billboard. Uh, we've done radio ads, TV. We've done print ads. We've done, you know, anything you can put your hands on. We've tried with varying levels of success, there we haven't found the magic bullet. And I don't it's know hard to measure, one. right? It's hard to measure. Like now, what we do, we still do shows. We still do bridal shows or trade shows. Do you try to do as many as you can, or, um, or what? What do you? Are, are there some that you say, okay, we're definitely going to go to this mm-hmm. one, but maybe not this one? Absolutely. So at first, we did everything we could. Every show that was around, we were there. And then I think you start to figure out. Uh, shows that are that are producing good ROI, you know, return on investment, and shows that maybe are not. And then there are shows we do because we have a relationship with the folks who are putting on the show. So maybe the ROI isn't great, but it's a good idea for us to be a part of it. But yeah, we still do. We do bridal shows, but we pick and choose now uh, which ones we do. And, and really that's based on, on past performance. Uh, if a show has yielded good results in the past, then then it's then it's uh, probably going to continue to to give good results. And then there are some that you try. You know, sometimes you swing and you miss, and 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 then you you just discount as an experience and you go on. 
right. But all of the all the advertisement and, and that sort of stuff, uh, we've we've never found anything where we're like, yeah, that's it. Uh, we we we, but we tried them all. But you know, different different businesses and uh, respond differently to different styles of ad. You know, like when when I'm watching TV, I'm seeing a lot of car ads, a lot of car ads. That must be working for them, right? You know, so so um, uh, so I guess you know, uh, video media is good for for a, for an auto dealership. Didn't work so well for me. So it is what it is. But again, yeah, it's it, you, you're right in saying that it's unique in that we're out there showing folks what we do every weekend. So I, I think a lot of the work comes as a result of that. When you think about pricing, first of all, how did you decide on a price? Mm. I, oh boy, oh boy. Well, uh, and I'm sure it's complicated because you have to think about the time mm-hmm. for setup, takedown, while you're there. Then you have to think about all the equipment that's going to be there. There's some equipment that you're going to use at some places and not others. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine... Well, you tell us. I don't know how yeah, you we're, come. We're bringing, you know, every event that we're at, we're bringing $10,000 worth of equipment. So you have that. You have that expense and that risk and all that kind of stuff. And then you have the, the labor that we're paying for, for the guys to, to put that in a truck and bring it and set it up and, and come back at the end of the night and take it down. And, of course, th- those fellas all want to be compensated. And then the DJ, of course, wants to be compensated for his his skill set. So, so there are a lot of expenses that come along with the night. And at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're doing this because we enjoy it. But uh, we cannot continue to do it unless we can continue to <laughs> to keep a roof over our heads. So you have to build build the profit in there. You know, I guess there's, there, there'd be a very technical or, or an accounting way of doing it where we could figure out what a night is costing us, figure out what we want our, our profit to be and, and kind of, you know, work backwards from there. We want to make sure that we can survive and continue to grow the business and continue to, you know, the best equipment we can to each event to, you know, to assure that there aren't going to be issues. And so all, all of this comes with a price tag. In pricing the work, really, we, we kind of studied the marketplace to see what others were, were charging. And then we tried to find a happy zone that would allow us to uh, remain viable, um, make investments in ourselves, you know, make investments in equipment and so forth. Co- properly compensate our talent so that they stay with us. I believe we pay our guys better than anyone else is going to pay them. So when you locate, when you find great talent and you want to keep them on board, you you know you got to keep them happy. So so I try to throw we try to throw perks at them and we try to uh, uh, compensate them properly. So that so the price point just has to you know enable you to 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 do all of that stuff. Our price point is considerably higher than I think most of the folks that are doing what we're doing. But I think the product that we're providing is quite a bit different than, than you're going to get with some of our competitors. So, so the price justifies the results. Right. But, but it's tricky. Pricing the work is, is, is tricky. We certainly didn't want to be the least expensive guy in town. I have no problem being the most expensive service in town. But, it would, but if you're going to do that, you, you you better come come you with your get, egg. You get what you pay for. That is true in every aspect of life, I believe. Right. You know, a real turning point for our business was when the phone rings. When the phone rings, there's the there's the, and, you, and you pick up. There's the there's the potential client that says, "How much do you charge?" And then there's a potential client that says, "Are you available on my date?" We need the "Are you available on my date?" clients. Right. If cost is your uh, number one concern, then there are folks in our industry that do this for a whole lot less of a fee. I think our, our talent is unmatched. But when, our, when, when, your, when your business turns from, you know, from how much do you charge to please tell me you're available, that, that's, just, that's a great place to be. Right. Because folks now know that they want your service. Now they just have to determine can they afford it. Right. Or does it fit into the, into the budget? That's a wonderful place to be. Right. Do you work with contracts or handshakes? <laughs> we were contracts. <laughs> okay, because you know it's it's much better when things are in writing. Yeah. Uh, for both parties. Absolutely. It uh, it protects everybody. It protects them. Protects us. Protects our guys. And that's probably just another uh, level of certainty uh, that you put into your business uh, of what people are going to get. You, you know, the the business has to be run as a business. Any entrepreneur or or maybe any startup. 
needs to understand that the business has to be run as a business. So, so that's where we're talking about. You probably need an accountant. You, you know, you 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 need a P and L statement. You need to you need to understand where your money's going and how you're going to make money. You need to understand the equipment that you're going to use. And this would be anything. This is landscaping business. You know, you need to understand if your equipment is reliable. You need to have reliable people. You have to have good talent. You know, it's, it's all that stuff. But yeah, but but you still have to be a legitimate business. So you know, you still have to have a business license. You still have to pay your taxes. I, I think you have to have contracts because you need that stuff to fall back on if, if anything goes astray. But but you know what we try. We don't want the business aspect of things to affect the experience. So the, the business aspects of, of things is a technicality. You gotta kind of have a contract so both parties are protected. I mean, the contract's, the contract's also good for the client because it's telling the client, I promise to be here at this time on right. your date and for do sure. this. So, so, so they should be looking for a contract anyway. It'd be awesome to think that we do a handshake business with a contract to back it up. <laughs> We've watched enough Judge Judy to know that, right? <laughs> okay. Well, you know, there are always some some trade secrets, and you might not want to get too deep into this, but how do you keep current with your music? I mean, how do you know where the trend's at, where it's going? How do you... How do you keep up with yeah. that? Yeah, boy, there's so many there's so many levels uh, of the music aspect of, of what we do. So first of all, how do you keep up? You know, we actually follow the charts. We follow the charts. We try to follow the trends from a music standpoint. Just understand what's going on out there, and and that includes uh, keep, just keeping up with culture. Doing the events for younger younger people is is really really good for us because it helps keep us in touch with with new music and that sort of thing. But yeah, you see, we see trends in music. We're in, we're in an interesting trend right now where music is getting poppy again. So it's it's leaving, or it's taking a slight departure from from maybe rap and trap and moving toward pop again. It goes up and down. You know, there's there's ebbs and flows of, of music on, on, on the charts and just in, in society. But we pay close attention to what's happening out there. And, and there's a cultural part of that. Like you do have to, you do have to stay in touch with with trends, music trends and, and social trends and that sort of thing. So we work hard to stay up on it. Now the good thing about weddings is, and, and again, that's a good part of our business is weddings, and then we also do a tremendous amount of corporate parties and corporate stuff. Most of most of that stuff isn't cutting edge from a music standpoint. You know, when it comes to weddings and corporate, you're trying to appeal to masses. You're trying to appeal to generations of people with uh, with diverse music tastes. So we're playing old, we're playing new, we're playing fast, we're playing slow, you're playing current, you're playing flashback. So that just, that, that, that puts a whole lot of tools at your disposal. But then when we go and do a prom or a homecoming or something like that, you gotta be right on the edge there, you for know, because sure, that's what right? they're looking for. So we, so we just try to keep up with those trends. Yeah, because at, at a prom, I mean, they're really gonna. They're let ready. You know they're ready for right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna uh, let you know, right? Yes, <laughs> that could that could be an uncomfortable thing if you're if you're not ready for it. But uh, but we're always ready for it. And then you know, then from a music standpoint, we do a lot of, and this is something that people don't know or or really understand or realize that we do. But we do a lot of stuff in studio, if you will. So so when a popular song comes out, we'll actually do some work on a song to sometimes shorten it sometimes we sometimes we manipulate the music so that it'll fit into the set that we're going to that we're going to use to perform there's more thought that goes into that and more work that goes into that than just plain songs you get a license to play these songs as in like a ASCAP license or as in yeah do, do you have to in order to play the song at a venue you... so here's the way it's, it's it has been explained to me there are organizations like ASCAP. There are organizations you have to pay to play music publicly. If we're doing a private event, it's a private event. So we don't have to have the license, the music licensing to do a private event. If it's a public event, typically the venue is responsible for the ASCAP fees. Was there ever a time that you thought about just throwing in the towel and just saying, you know what? I'm I'm done with this. Yeah, we call that Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, <laughs> there are always ups and downs, you know. There are times when you're when you're. It depends on what side of the coin you're on. Like so, I look at I look at the the fellow who works a person that works a nine to five job, 
And it seems to me like that's the easiest job in the world. You know, you go and you work and you punch out and you go home. And I'm sure that that guy looks at me and goes, man, he's self-employed. He can sleep in as late as he wants and he make his own hours and do whatever he wants. So I think every, the, the grass is always greener. We're really having a lot of fun with what we're doing. We love what we're doing. We all have tough days. Right, for sure. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, there are, there are times when, when you, when you want to pull your hair out if I had any left. The rewards, the ups are, are higher than the downs. And the rewards are greater than the, the successes are greater than the failures. Well, so it keeps you moving forward. And I guess what you would say is, is because you love what you do, during those difficult times, you can get through those because you love what you do. Sure. The, the payday for me is, or for, for, I bet for any of us, is uh, we have, you know, we have chill moments. All the DJs talk about it. You have chill moments. You have a moment in the night when thing, the music falls into place in, in the order that you're, uh, you know, just in the way that you're presenting it and the dance floor is building and, and folks are getting excited. And a lot of times there's that moment where you just hit the right thing at the right time. Everybody feels it, you know, everybody's affected by it and, and, and it gives you chills. So I think we all live for those, we live for those chill moments. And that's, you know, that's the big reward. That makes the, that makes the tough days uh, melt away when you get those moments. And then, you know, I const we constantly have, it's, it's so rewarding what we do. I know it doesn't, it might not seem like this, but it's very rewarding what we do. I, I've had moments where I see a, a bride and groom doing their first dance and it's just, they are so lost in that moment. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I'm lost in the, you know, like it, it draws you in and it's just, it's just like, it, it's very, it affects you, in, you know, in, in a way. I also have the times when I'm playing a song and I see a couple in their 90s dancing and I think you know I wonder when the last time they danced together was right and then I also think you know this might be the last time they ever danced together all of that stuff just affects you you know so there are just so many great moments in what we do that 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 you tolerate the tough times yeah. and so that you can and get to the next moment that's awesome well what advice would you give to others who wanted to start a DJ business uh, as long as it wasn't in Huntsville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, practice, practice, practice. Learn how to DJ for real. Yeah. And, and and work on it in your bedroom. Yeah. And work on it and work on it and work on it. You have to have a skill set, I think, to be successful at this. I, I think there's a lot of folks out there that the Spotify guys I'm talking about, or they used to call them iPod DJs, or, you know, the, there are certainly guys that can show up and play music for your event. But to do it the way that we do it, utilizing the, the turntable style of, of DJ and, 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 and mixing and, and cutting and looping and slashing and doing all this creative stuff with the music that just creates a unique experience that's very high energy and very entertaining, um, takes work, takes practice. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm on the turntables almost every day in some way, shape, or form. I think no different than then a guitarist probably needs to practice every day or, or, or wants to practice every day. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a skill set and you've got to be good at it. So before you go out there and try to set the world on fire, you, I think you really need to acquire that skill set. All right, well, is there anything else that you'd like to add to this interview? I think I had a lot of fun. Are you cool? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this was great. Uh, I feel relaxed after this interview. So uh, I want to go listen to some music. Uh, but maybe DJ style. So I'll uh, tell you. I'm going to have to figure out where your next event is. Well, again, on our quick 30, you know, I mentioned what I like. Because that's the question you asked me. What do I like? Uh, you know, I like, I like pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. But none of that is ever utilized in what I'm doing for the client. Right. So what, what, what you like is not what the, always what the client likes. Actually, what I like is never what the client likes. So you have to cater to the client. But in my private life, yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit of a departure from what I'm doing right. on a weekly basis. But yeah, we love what we're doing. It's great. Huntsville's been great to us, looking to, to conquer the world. So we're going to keep working at it. Yeah, and Huntsville is a great place. It's amazing uh, at how well it's done over the years. Uh, all right, well, we're to the final question. Uh-oh. So the final question asked is given to us by our previous entrepreneur. And on our last podcast, we had entrepreneur Deborah Jenkins, owner of Merrimack Hall. Oh, cool. Deborah asks, how do you handle a conflict that happens when a customer wants something for an event 
that goes against your own artistic vision. That's interesting. Turn on an iPod and play the music? I'm certainly <laughs> certainly not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I guess, you know, I guess a way of looking at that is we've actually had clients that have said and this is very rare, but it's happened. I think twice that I can recall where a client says, "I want you to play music the way the artist intended it to be heard." So, so in essence what they're saying is is the dirty versions. We want you to play dirty, the dirty music, you know, which is something that we don't do. So you know what? I'm I'm not gonna if it if it disturbs me ethically, then I'm gonna shy away. Gotcha. Which has never happened. But giving the customer what they want is is really why we're here. I think another way of looking at that question would be, if the client is sending us into certain failure, which happens, the client that says. I want three hours of Frank Sinatra and nothing else. That's going to probably be a problem. And I love Frank Sinatra. But you've invited 200 of 200 guests from all walks of life to come to this event and they're expecting to celebrate your day. This is going to turn into an issue. So I guess we're just going to do our best to to have the client understand that we think we think this is heading in a direction that's not going to be favorable to you or us or anybody. Okay. So yeah, if it's a question of ethics, that you always have to you always have to maintain your ethics. If it's a question of integrity, you always must maintain you know maintain your integrity. So we're not going to compromise our values for a client, uh, but we've never been asked to. Now that you uh, have said this out loud. Tomorrow, someone's going to call and ask you to do something unethical. Something crazy. <laughs> something crazy. Yeah, it'll be crazy. Um, call me. <laughs> I want to hear it. <laughs> That's an interesting question, though. Steve, as we close, please write down your last question All right. for our next guest and tune in to find out how they will answer it on the next episode of epitch.org. So I just I want you to know I love and appreciate you so much, <laughs> and I you, think Josh. that you really are. You bring a high quality. Uh, to everything that you do and anything that you've uh, that we've asked you to be a part of with us it has been amazing uh, so I really I respect you on the highest level well, so uh, appreciate it very much likewise likewise what, what, what you folks do uh, at Terame is phenomenal as you know I'm a customer <laughs> um, now let's get to work on this very difficult question I'm asking the next person this, this, this could be fun <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you, and thanks to everyone who's uh, who's listening in. I, I hope uh, I wasn't wasn't too too crazy with my answers. Sir. You were perfect. <laughs> you were perfect. Thank you for listening today. Please check out my website at epitch.org or anchor.fm slash epitch.org to listen to future podcasts and on my Twitter account, epitch.org, to learn more about entrepreneurship. May these individual stories inspire you to do great things in entrepreneurship. Thank you.